0: What was the first product you remember buying online and what made you buy it?
1: It was clearly contacts.ca and they specialized in contact lenses. And they were offering an amazing promotion. It was your first pair for $9. And I said, okay, what do I have to lose? The price is there. They're Canadian and they ship Canada Post. And I had all my prescription, I had everything set up. And in two days, I got the glasses. Wow.
0: Welcome to the Million Dollar E commerce Podcast. My name is Ala Hassan, the most passionate ecom guy you'll ever meet. I've been helping brands sell millions of dollars online with e commerce since 2001. So if you're a founder, executive, or someone who's in charge of growing a brand online, this show is for you. You'll enjoy listening to engaging conversations, insightful content, and actionable ideas on how to sell more, grow faster, and scale profitably with e-commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. And for show notes, visit milliondollarecommerce.com. Morris Sherper, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. You know what? I was thinking about who to invite for some of the episodes I'm planning for this podcast. And I wrote down a bunch of people. And I have to admit, you were among the first ones on top. I feel privileged to have worked with you over the years. When I'm thinking about all the guests that I would like to have on the show, our relationship is the most unique. I agree. Obviously, we're going to talk about this a little bit more. But for those of you who don't know, Moore Shipper and I worked for over a decade together, no. not as a client customer relationship or our service provider. No, we were actually on the teams leading growth for some of the brands that we've worked with from inetvideo.com. That's where it started in the linen chest and over the years, we just kept in touch. We've always worked together and truly consider
1: one of my closest friends as well. So again, thanks a lot for making it to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Matt. And you're bringing me back in many years. It's been a ride. <laughs> yeah. At
0: the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're always close to those who we truly share some memories with constantly. And we don't want to lose touch. No, and definitely. The podcast is the best place to start. So love it. You know what? I got inspired by Jim, who is the host of the CMO podcast. And he always asks his guests uh, what brand had an Im- tremendous impact on them when they were a child, when yeah. you know, childhood and that. So I figured, let me come up with a question that I could ask guests like you. So my question to you is, what is the first product or brand you remember buying online
1: and what made you buy it? So... This is, it's actually hysterical because it comes down to what we do as retailers and it's satisfying a need. I was going through my Hotmail account, maybe, what are we now, 15-ish years ago. And I was just scrolling through some emails. And again, back then, like we didn't have professional emails. We were on MSN Messenger and all those things. (laughs) And I saw a display ad and it was for glasses starting at $9. And I said, no, they can't be I'm like, why, at what point glasses, even to this day, depending on what you're looking for with the frame and the lens, you're probably spending for a good pair of glasses, maybe two, $300, depending on brands and what you need. So I said, I have to click on then I'm obviously very innocent back then, but it's too good to be true. And it was a brand out of Vancouver which that also spiked my interest. i like, okay, Canadian brand. It was clear. They're called clearly.ca now, but... I remember the days you used to buy from them <laughs> at the office. It's true. So it was clearlycontacts.ca and they specialized in contact lenses. Okay. And they were offering an amazing promotion. It was your first pair for $9. Wow. And I said, okay, what do I have to lose? The price is there. They're Canadian and they shipped. Canada Post so I recognized all the steps that I would have asked myself as someone who's starting a site who would just want to make sure okay what are the things I need to know to like seal the deal for me to buy or at least test the brand yeah and I had all my prescription I had everything set up and in two days I got the glasses wow which is
0: pretty
1: impressive considering how far back it was exactly And so I I was sold after that. And it's funny that it was a display ad, which we could talk about display ads later on, but it really sparked something because I said, wow, this is amazing. I started talking to people about it. I even told them at one point they should start a loyalty program, a referral program, because I was telling everybody. But yeah, that really, that was my first, one of my first purchases online back in the day. Obviously, the ad itself, when you think about it, just like you mentioned the display ad, we rely
0: on display ads as part of a marketing mix nowadays. It's not the only channel that we use the medium. But was it, do you think that... These ads right now would have the same impact because you mentioned some. You were checking your email, yeah, and you saw this ad. A lot has changed back then and now in terms of devices,
1: right? Yeah, and it's tough, eh? Because I was obviously on my desktop, it was my preferred device to use now i'm consuming on my phone and if anything the way we're going we want it out of our face or there's now like gmail for example that's my main provider and there's a tab for it so i don't need to see it if i don't want it at all so a lot has changed definitely right place right time and they were they got in at an early time but they got me Uh, yeah and so now like you said you have to be it's part of the mix is it going to seal the deal like they did for me many years ago probably not as much but it still has its importance for sure yeah Let's start off by giving the audience kind of a summary of
0: who is Morris Shipper, your current role, the company yeah. you currently work for, what do they sell? Sure. Do you yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So I've been in e-commerce for about 14, 15 years now. Really got my start in in the email space, was really obsessed with that customer experience and really getting, getting that customer just to entice them, just to say, how do I get them to the site? How do I get them engaged? And obviously we'll go into a little more details as yeah. we go here. But yeah, I work for Linen Chest, very well established established home retail company in Canada, directing their digital marketing online. And yeah, it's been a ride. I've been there now going on seven years in August, run a really big team. We love doing everything in-house. We're a very agile team. <laughs> and you could probably speak to that a little bit as well. But yeah, it's been a, quite a ride. You know, what brought me here? A lot of experience along the ways you mentioned, I at video.com, but now to oversee a, quite a quite an established ship so they sell anything from bed, bath, home decor, you name it. They're a big retail home destination.
0: Uh, Again, just for those who are listening, when I was at Linen Chess as Director of Digital Marketing, during my time there for just almost three years, Morris was working alongside me while leading the e-commerce growth team and the initiatives there. So when I left, he's the person who I gave the keys to and I say, you know what, it's yours now. Lead the way. So Question for you, when you came into the role, were you prepared? Just to clarify, your role right now is
1: director of digital marketing? Right? That's right, yeah. So
0: were you prepared when you came into this role?
1: So I'll say this, and we talk about this a lot, like just you and I off to the side, like preparing people, because you never want to leave something in worse shape yeah. than when you were there. I'll say this, and it's I can laugh about it now. I'll say I was prepared until the first thing, the first, I would say, critical thing went wrong and then jumping into that role you're like there's a lot of eyes on you there's a lot of okay can he handle it is the ship still going in the right direction so you're never ready and anything in digital marketing and e-commerce things can change like that it's all about finding solutions and you really need to deep dive into a lot of the platforms especially like you were talking about product feeds you're talking about platforms things that it's not an easy answer. Yeah. No, I wasn't prepared, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you look at it, has been a lot of years right now since I left. So again, it's another extra few. three years, maybe. Yeah. How different are you now in this position
1: versus when I left you? So I would say I am a lot more forward thinking. And I think the way I'm determine how I have an outlook on projects and improvements have changed. A lot of the times back then, let's call it what it is, the site needed a lot of work. We wanted to improve the customer experience and the a lot of the tactics that we were using on the site. So yeah. we were bringing it up to a certain level. Now I'd like to think that we've gotten it to a level that is a little bit more on par with what the expectations are out there. But I proceed with more caution now with the projects because there's as the company has been growing, especially outside of the now post-pandemic, everything has a reaction. There's always, there's a consequence to everything that's done. How does it impact the stores? How does it impact customer service, post-purchase and their packaging? All the touch points are more crucial now than they were before, I would say. I, I try to have a more 360 approach of saying, okay, if we do this, what's going to happen over here and so on. So. I'm trying to be a little bit more balanced because if not, we're back then we were quick to react, but we had the resources, whereas now the team and everything has been growing so quickly that have to t- almost slow down in a faster-paced environment. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, well,
0: I'm hearing you talk about the way you go about approaching projects and initiatives and growth strategies, all that sure. stuff that we're talking about when it comes to growing a brand. I, sometimes I think about it and I ask myself, Are these projects or objectives led by the executives, the people that own the company, your bosses, or are they being pushed on us because customers expect more from brands?
1: It's a good question because I think we face that just in our day-to-days because we, especially in the retail space or any consumer good, I think we're all guilty of looking at our competitors. Yeah. And... I now am the one that's not pushing back because listen, we, I think, what is it? We always say we, someone else out there loves our website, but we never like our websites. Never <laughs> we hate our website. are right. always like, this is terrible. But I, that's what I have to say. Push back now because I'm trying to believe, like you said, it's the customer that is the one that should be driving our initiatives. Yeah. Of course, there's websites, whether within our space, directly competing with us or not that will have a solution that you might say, wow, I really like that. Just don't, the way I'm looking at it is just don't lose
0: sight of the customer. Exactly, because at the end exactly. of the day, you want to hit these top line numbers, yeah. uh, satisfy investors, satisfy the people behind the brand, whether it's the owners, the founders, the investors, the stockholders, whatever it might be. Yeah. But at the end of the day, don't stop listening to your customers no. because in the end, they're the ones that are going to really help you achieve those numbers, including, obviously, the team, the people that you have behind you, the support you, obviously, take care of your employees. They're going to take care of that customer. But at yeah. a very high level, I think the challenges that we're facing in this industry are geared towards customer expectations. And yep. it's striking that balance between, all right, how much more do we want to do? Is it really going to help the customer or is it just going to help us? Or is it going to satisfy our ego at the
1: end of yeah. the day? Yeah. yeah. And that's what, like you said, you got to take, you have to push that aside. It's really not the ego. And well, there's a, there is a way I feel to m- marry the, call it the, the CEO expectation and the customer expectation. Yeah. And if we can, we as leaders in the space can communicate that properly, at the end of the day, both would be satisfied. It's just always that there's the FOMO, there's the, they're doing this every day, so it must be working. That's the other thing: is what competitors are doing. We don't even know if it's working. Yeah, we have an idea, so that's where, like, I try to take that step back now and just say, you know what? Okay, listen to the customer more in order to make sure, like, you can be a little bit more confident with your yeah. decisions and your action plans, like that. For sure. Sometimes, sometimes we think us competitors know what they're doing. A lot of times
0: they don't. They're just also <laughs> doing things based on what they're seeing you do at the same time. So they're copying us while we're yeah. copying them. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your e-commerce journey. This podcast is geared towards founders, executives, anyone who's in charge of leading growth for the brands that we lead. So talk to me a little bit about the journey, where it all started. I know, but at a very high level, without going into a lot of details, like where did you start, what companies have you worked for, and what led you into this role
1: and eventually come to Linen Chest? Sure. I got my start at iNetvideo.com. And it was again in a consumer goods space selling DVDs and video games at a very low price. And that was our that was the value proposition is getting that type of entertainment for less. I started there and I started to really learn under your leadership about the uh, the customer experience. After that, and after spending a good five, six years at iNet Video, I moved on to the affiliate marketing space where really learning selling ad space and reaching out to the more on the agency side, but understanding like what's out there and just how much inventory was out there. And obviously at a CPA base, like I was yeah. learning about that stuff. I didn't stay long in there. I really, in all honesty, it wasn't uh, for me, but it's not for you. I knew- <laughs> it really wasn't. But all IKEA was and I that was my next step was into IKEA, especially in Canada. And that was where I think it helped it helped me in a few different ways and shaped me where I got to learn about. I want to say the supply chain, I'll talk about the product side first, and then the people side, but supply chain operations, communicating with different departments within the company, because obviously it's a global company. So there's a lot of different things you have to take into consideration, making updates on the website. You're just, you're one country, so... Will it satisfy more than one country, or Canada-specific? So you need to have a pretty strong business case to to support certain things that you want to. Work. On the people side, for example, a change management, working and communicating with a steering team that isn't very—how do I say it—very clear on digital marketing and e-commerce. It's a very store-based company, right? Like their stores well, are their media. It's an and old, then, yeah, brand. I mean, it's I, an sorry. old, it's an old brand, IKEA. Yeah. So they were expanding to the e-commerce world. Yeah, and I think they've done an amazing job of becoming omni-channel, especially when it comes to and we talk about it afterwards but talking about like accessibility and shipping Mm -hmm. methods anything like that they did a great job there but it really helped set me up for from where i'm at now at linen chest and communicating on a day-to-day basis with a smaller team in scope but still with real life situations there's changes happening every day but providing the proper context and, and making sure that we're growing in the right direction and still taking a lot of what i learned over the years and applying it to whether it's different departments, different meetings, different strategies at Chest. Yeah. yeah, that was my follow-up question now.
0: How did the experience at IKEA prepare you for the current role you're in right now? Yeah. I know that when I brought you onto the team, I was leading digital marketing, yeah. but let's look at that part, not where you're at right now, but from IKEA to Lininchest, Yeah. What did IKEA, that experience at IKEA, how did it help
1: you at Chest? Yeah, so I I would say the... The way Ikea was structured, and of course, Linen Chess was smaller. So I was able to apply things that I learned at Ikea, work back schedules, promotion planning, things that they were doing at a larger scale at Linen Chess with a smaller team. But it was, we were able to control it and build it. We built, we, I think we built an amazing foundation that allowed us to, it's always easier when there's less people involved. Of course it's a lot. So, and if you do it, and if you do it right at the beginning, adding on layers and support and extra hands, it's not more costly. It's more efficient. Yeah. I like your role because
0: digital marketing, when you look at it, it has a strong impact on e-commerce growth. Yeah. So in your current role right now, as director of digital marketing for Linen Chess, what's the work? What do you do? If you were to explain your day using yeah. a pie chart, what percentage of your day is spent on this task versus the other tasks? Again, a lot of people are curious because in the academy, when I'm coaching clients, I look at productivity. I look at being efficient, being yeah. effective during your work day. How is yours?
1: What's a day look like? I'll give you the ambitious, not the ambitious, but I'll give you what I set it out to be on a day-to-day. Okay. And, I then, love I love and then that, I'll that tell you what, happens. what could happen. <laughs> Throughout the day, because again, like we said at the before is that things change very quickly. And if the minute you find something you need to react because you have thousands of customers True. on your site. So my day starts, I'll say, I'll break it up like this. My first 5% just in the morning. And it's not, it's so you're like, okay, we're starting with 5%. No, this is actually probably one of the most important 5% that you'll do. It's just looking at your website. Be a little bit more, what do you mean by website? So click uh search. So use use the online store as a customer. Yeah, exactly. And I do that because, again, like I was saying, things happen quickly. Things could also break quickly. There's always something happening that I like to always just set. That sometimes prioritizes my days. I'll look at things that'll just as a customer, and I like to say, I'll just do a search. I'll add to cart. I'll go on my phone and do the same experience and. It's not even that I'm looking for something. I just want to make sure it works because if not, there's thousands of other people, like I was saying, that could be in that same experience as myself. And I want to make sure it works. It's like you open your store and your cash register. You use a car. You use a car. When you go into the car, you make sure a door opens, the car exactly. starts, everything is good. Yes. All right. We're good. Now to go. we can start. Okay. So that's 5%. The next 10 to 15% is just communicating with my team. Okay. Setting out whether it's objectives for the week because we're not we don't need to speak every day. Let's be honest. There's certain we need to stay on a focus that's more long term. Obviously, there will be things that are short term. Okay, is this ready? Follow ups, but that's about fifteen percent. So now we're at twenty. The next, I would say, thirty percent is really, and I live a lot in this, and I love this. Is my data and analytics? Wow. So I spend yeah. So I'm spending about twenty to thirty percent on that because I'm looking my next month i'm looking at my budgets but yeah. i'm also looking into where should i be spending in the months to come how did i perform last year were there any anomalies and i need to prepare for those because you never want to be in a situation where all of a sudden you're looking at your performance year over year month over month and you're you see those big peaks and you don't really have how can you say you don't really have a re- an explanation or a plan to replicate these for your month yeah. objectives so where are we at now that's about give or take about 40 50 percent the balance, I would say I'm in, a, I'm in a lot of meetings and with a lot of different departments, but we have a lot of different projects that, like we said, we want to grow, continuously grow the business. I would say the next 40%, this will get us to about 90%, is just discussing with different partners, whether internal or external, about different objectives and making sure that we're on track with our projects. Okay. The final 10% is really for myself and reflection. I think every day, I like to finish my day preparing for the next day. Because, again, and it could be different depending on your size of team. If you're an entrepreneur and you're solo, you could still do this, but I never want to be in a situation where I'm not preparing my team for success. So that last 10% is really, okay, I'll take the last maybe 30 minutes of my day and just preparing for tomorrow if I'm going to speak to who am I speaking to, what do I want them to, where do I want them to be focusing their time and then just executing like that.
0: So right now, your team, obviously, we don't, I don't want to have you share exact specific numbers, but your team is over 10 people. Yep. You work with agencies. Some work is done outsource, some of it in-house. Yeah. It requires you to truly be in a leadership role because yeah. uh, do you see yourself nowadays rolling up your sleeves and actually going into, let's say, your Google ads account, your Facebook yeah. ads account? Yeah. It, does that still happen?
1: Yes, Even though, and I'll say this because, and there's a few reasons why I still do it. I still do it. Do I do it every day? No. Luckily, the team has grown enough that we have people specialize in some of those accounts that again, setting down, setting up that foundation now has allowed me to teach someone who can teach that next person to be successful. That way it's always, sorry. You have systems in place to help you, to allow you to grow. However, like Google is a great example. If something new and they launch a new product, they update a specific ad unit or something. I like to get back in there. I like to do that because I communicate better with my team for a specific campaign if I understand it well. Yeah, And I recommend most leaders, if they can, I think it's important because you'll get a better response out of the people that you have trained to do that job. And I also think when it comes to leadership, depending on how hands-on your leadership team is, you might need to know why that banner was showing in that language, or you might want to know why they saw a specific product ad on this website. So I think it's important. Like I said, I probably do it maybe 20% of the time, but I think it's just to keep up to date. I think anyone in digital marketing and e-commerce... They owe it to themselves and their team to be able to do that. And you know what? When people ask,
0: look, I've been in it for over two decades now. And one secret to my personal success in e-com as a career was to always be learning and never lose sight of how things work. Stay up to date. But sometimes roll up your sleeves and go into the platform. Absolutely. When you go in leading a team, there's a difference between someone who just understands how Facebook ads work versus someone who can really challenge the team and asking them, why is it configured this way and not this way? It's not about you doing it. It's about you understanding the details as to how things work. And I think that's the secret to becoming truly someone who can lead e-commerce success for the brand. Let's go back to asking, I have a question about this idea of rolling up your sleeves and how yeah. did you grow from being
1: someone who does the work to one who leads the work? Yeah, not easy. Not easy because it's like riding a bike and letting the training wheels off your son or daughter because you you have to understand. And even as the person who used to do the work, you made mistakes. I think it's. I think it's normal. You might have accidentally ended a campaign early or you adjusted the CPC on a campaign and you put an extra zero or something that you hated yourself the next day for patience. I think you have to obviously finding the right person that I think that's making sure that you allow them some leash. I think you need to let them make those same mistakes. It's not because all of a sudden that you found someone to take over from you and you're leading them and guiding them that it's supposed to be perfect. So understanding that is the most important thing. Again, because there you put someone in position to be in that day-to-day and having their sleeves rolled up at all times. You still have to check in on them and making sure as your leader, it's not that if they made a mistake, they made a mistake. You have to work with them, coach them and explain to them, what is it exactly that, where did we go wrong? It's again, I always use we in these situations. It's because you put that person in that position. So you owe it to them as much as they owe it to you you to find those solutions. I've always been very 50-50 with my team and I think it's really helped us get the best out of each other. But yeah, yeah. definitely not easy, but got to be patient and you have to allow for uh, gotta allow for the mistakes. Are you an introvert, extrovert? I think I started to be, but which, I'm so extroverted one? now. I, I, extro- know, I, I used to be very introverted. I'm an only child. I used to be so shy. And then I don't know what it was, I think just attending e-commerce events and just being around com- the, that comfort of talking that, talking that talk and speaking with just people in the crowd, I became extroverted. I love learning about people. And I think also tough to lead a team if you're not a little extroverted. I think you need to be a little, got to be a little bit out there. But yeah, I'm, oh my God, I'm very extroverted. <laughs> what's, your, what's your star sign? Is there- a Scorpio. You know what's funny? I, every time I
0: work for any company, most of the time, my right hand person is a Scorpio they're very well organized and you are organized. You remember the days when we were sitting in the office and I look at how you're note-taking. I work in organized chaos yes. when I'm at the office. You remember I used to make fun of my desk, but I'm like- you used to organize your desk. And I'm like, we're still growing. We're seven, eight figures now. We're selling millions. My desk is unorganized, but that's how I work. You are very organized. Yeah. And I that's think, like you said, everyone's different in these roles. Do more of what actually works. and. So my next question to you is, you talk about going to conferences and learning. How do you stay on top of what's happening in e-commerce? It's changing every single day. And we're not talking about just advertising, just in general. And how do you stay up to date? How do you stay on top of things? But also how do you... Evolve and improve your skill sets.
1: Yeah, I can speak to this because I just came out of actually missing my Q four because of back surgery, which was not planned. But in a way, happy it did because I think one of the I'll say easy, but it's not easy. The ways to stay on top of the trends and always be learning is when you can take yourself out of that day to day and the strategy and just consume blogs, read books, and sometimes it's things you already know, but when you're in the day-to-day and you're in the weed, sometimes it's you need that reminder. And a lot of the books that we read, it's just you get that. They re- they repeat purposely some of, the, of the things that we already know, but it's just not implanted as much as it used to be because we have all these top-line objectives and things like that. I'm signed up to so many. You know what? I take that back. I'm not signed up to so many newsletters. There are some that I consume more regularly. Search Engine Land is one of my favorites. Wordstream.com is another one that... I feel like I actually get, it's not even just about staying up to date, but it's also finding actionable ideas or strategies that I can also take back to the team. That's the idea. It's the actionable ideas. It's not just tactics all the time. It's the, the, and it's also, I need it to be easy to digest for people on my team. Let's be honest in e-commerce and digital marketing these days, there's the pool of knowledge out there is vast. There's a lot of people in the space, but as it's growing and as it's becoming more popular, people around us are also, they're young, but they're hungry to learn. So I think it's important that the type of knowledge that I'm consuming can be transferable, but in a way that it doesn't have to be the biggest project. It just needs to be enough that it's going to make a small difference, but it's also going to make them more excited about what they're doing. For example, I would say, yeah, mostly the reading and then signing up to webinars with the companies that you're working with. A lot of the times we're invested with the vendors, agencies, platforms. That's, That's really yeah, so important. They have uh, stuff going important. on all the time. Yeah, but if you're not signed up to read their newsletters, all of a sudden one of them could be purchased by a company. You're not even know if they're going to be the lights are going to be turned on tomorrow. So, when which conferences do you usually attend? Yeah, you like uh, some local you ones avoid? like MTL e-commerce. Back in the day, I used to attend quite local a bit. local meetup. Yeah, yeah, the local meetups. Shop Talk was great before COVID. I had done them online, but it's never the same when you're at the booth or you're seeing like the the, the speakers, yeah, the networking is just on another level. But Shop Talk is great. Talk about putting eight thousand people in a massive room in Las Vegas and just being able to absorb a lot yeah. of technology, especially in the United States. Right, like in Canada, where I think we're always maybe a little bit behind. But also Canadians are we're slowly adapting to what. We see a lot in the United States, some things that we're not even ready for yet, but yeah. we're getting there, I would say, in so many ways. But seeing where our counterparts are in different areas definitely can allow us to prepare and say, "You know what okay, maybe can our would our market really enjoy that or not?" but yeah, so shop talk, I would say is great, and yeah, like I said, just the local ones, I feel like you get a good balance and you can see you find your balance within that type of balance at what time of the day do
0: you get your best work done I always have I ask this question because. We're all different. And yeah. I see sometimes people sending Slack messages in the middle of the night, other during the day, <laughs> yeah. some of them are 6 a.m. Some of them are on the weekends. I
1: think it depends now because I used to, under your leadership, I was the guy that was getting work done by 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And I loved it. Being in a bigger leadership role, it's adapting. It's like I was saying, I get more of my work done at the end of the day, preparing for my next yeah. day. So I need to make sure that I'm always a few steps ahead for the team so that they can plan. Because I'm planning, but I'm planning maybe months ahead, whereas the team needs to be executing on a day-to-day basis. So I think I've shifted now. Same way I used to be introverted, now I'm more extroverted. I think I used to be more of that morning working and being able to be very successful early in the morning versus now I think the evenings have been more pleasant to me. There's one thing I strive to always achieve within the teams
0: I lead is strike a balance between how much work is good and healthy versus you, yeah. your lifestyle. And we've all had our wake up calls, yeah. whether it could be health, relationships, financially. One thing I've experienced and I see that my team appreciates is when I say, I try not to bother my team after work hours, Yeah, nine to five. Yeah, And it's Obviously, we're not talking about Black Friday. We're not talking about the rush. Yeah. Remember the days where we used to update the website at midnight? <laughs> I'm putting those exceptions aside. Yeah, But when we're looking at the 80-20 rule with regards to the schedule, I think leaders should respect the time that employees are allocating for their personal lives. They can respond, but I try to wait before I even post a message on my Slack or yeah. send an email on the week and I ask myself like, could this wait till Monday in the morning? Yeah. Sure. Because at the end of the day, chances are this employee is going to open that message. Yeah. Yeah. And they could be at a dinner. They could be spending time with their significant other. And you might actually ruin that moment for them because now they have to think about it. Yeah, So
1: uh, h- how is it right now? How do you communicate with your team? I think you hit the nail on the head because it really is that balance because we don't I don't want to be that person to ruin that weekend. I think we work so hard during the week that you yeah. want to keep them fresh, but you also want to keep them in a good mood to be their best selves nine to five during the week. And I always question it. Is it urgent? Then I'll say it's urgent yeah. and I'm going to apologize 10 times because I don't want to be ruining whatever you're doing. Yeah, It's funny, but don't you agree that
0: sometimes when people were people like, oh, when I need something done, my team is never there. It's the opposite really. Yeah. My team has, you were always by my side in yeah. every moment and the rest of the team too, whether yeah. it was at Linen Chess, Video, when I needed the team there at 7 a.m. Yeah, literally always. everyone came to, to the rescue. When yeah. I need people to cu- check an email situation or the website not loading at yeah. the middle of the night on a weekend,
1: everyone was there. But I, Yeah, I, I think it speaks to like how we are as leaders. Like we said, when we roll up our sleeves and if anything, we're like, guys, like it can wait till Monday. Yeah. And we appreciated that so much, but it's because we, it's that 50, 50, it's that garnering of respect. It's they want to come through for you as much as you want to come through for them. And I think that's where it's admirable. It's amazing. And I have to stop my team. I'm like, yeah. just, even if you want you know, what? if you want to set, if you want to prepare that email, just send it a, a Monday at 8 a.m. Okay. Because yeah, exactly. honestly, I, it's all good really. And I, that balance is so important because it's, I, yeah. Like you said, I never want to be the, the reason to interrupt someone's day, especially when it's just, but you know what? You bring up a good point because even us as leaders, we need to send that email. And that's the thing that I've, I, you know what, especially when you're in that fast paced environment, a lot of startups, like you said, people are slacking people at all hours. Whereas now if your foundation is good, you really shouldn't need to do that. I truly believe that. I think you should be in a good enough situation that, it can it, it can wait. Of course, there's going to be red flags. There's red alerts. Of course, but there's exceptions to everything. Otherwise, yeah, we have to be mindful leaders. But it's not just email. I think it's like, do I really need to have this meeting
0: at eight a.m. on yeah. a Monday? Yeah. Because Sunday yeah. night, I'm going to be thinking about that meeting, and it's going to I'm like, oh. Yeah. Morning. I remember I used to have some meetings, not as at other companies, but yeah. for me, I try to avoid having these early meetings. Yeah. But again, it depends on your leadership style. Yeah. But it's just that meeting. Do you need to have that meeting, or could it be replaced with an email? And yeah. do you need to send that email, or could it be replaced with a Slack message? Absolutely. Do you need that Slack message? Could it wait? Yeah. And it's with every literal piece of communication. I think. Yeah. yeah. One last question before we move on now to actionable ideas. What's one piece of advice you'd give someone who is starting out in their career and who are either trying to become the director of digital marketing yeah. or someone who's doing digital marketing for e-commerce?
1: What's one piece of advice? Sometimes I think about that when I speak with like my cousins or people that are, they're not sure what they like, but I'll get, this is a good example. My cousin had said she loves the social media, mm-hmm. social media marketing. And I, I have to ask people, my first question is, what do you like about it? Okay. Do you like consuming it? Or do you like like anything? Or it could be social media. It could have been like, I lo- oh, I love newsletters or I, I love the influencer space. Again, do you like consuming it? Or I have to ask, do you know what goes into what you're consuming? Yeah. And then if that answer is still yes, then ex- just become a specialist in it. Because you can, and I learned this as well too, you... What I can't remember the exact expression, but you're better off specializing than trying to be like a master of none kind of thing. Anyway, I'm butchering it. You'll find a better way to I explain. Like it. What I like mentioning the T-shaped marketer. Yeah, a little bit of
0: analytics, a little bit yeah. of Facebook ads, Google ads, and that. But yeah. you specialize in email marketing. Yeah, like yeah. email marketing
1: is your specialty. So that's, that's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much, and in a much more open way. But you know, if you love something and you're consuming it. And you really want to understand it, then be that yeah. specialist and understand it a to z, and then start like from it. there. Don't try to learn everything at once. Just find something that you love, and then just learn everything. Beautiful. Let's move on now to
0: the e-commerce growth strategies. In my program in the academy, when people ask me how do you grow a, a brand, how do you grow, how do you sell more products, I, yeah. I have a kind of a system I follow. It's called the million dollar e-commerce growth system. It's a three-step process where we. I always say, don't obsess over just driving more traffic or just acquisition. You need to attract attention. You need to find ways of converting shoppers and you need to retain customers. Those are the three steps at a very high level. And for those of you who are interested, you can learn more about it just visiting eCommerceTrainingAcademy.com. There's a video. You don't have to sign up even just you can watch it. But I want to ask you now to give me some ideas that our audience can get value from after listening to this episode so that they can go back to the office and maybe also consider implementing it in their operation, in their yeah. e-commerce growth strategies. But I don't want to go into I'm not here, I don't want people to take notes like crazy and yeah, start yeah, out, oh know, yeah, make sure your ad is set up this way. No, we're talking about <laughs> a very like bird's eye view about the yeah. strategy. So yeah. my first question to you is what's one thing a brand should focus on in order for it to experience growth.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. I think, and I lived this recently, if you're listening to your customer, and we talked about this, there's the top line objectives, and then there's the customer objectives or the expectations. If you are really listening to your customer, and there's probably, and like we utilize Hotjar, we use different methods of communication to really understand like why customers maybe aren't converting. If you're listening and you can find three or four re- things that repeat, if you solve one of those, you will see growth. So f- sources of friction and bottlenecks Correct. based because, on what you've seen. So like you said, like it's yes. Okay. Drive traffic to the site, drive traffic, but are you even ready for that traffic? You're probably already getting traffic. And that's where I say, I don't even want to drive traffic. If I already know, I still have 10 mm-hmm. sources of friction. I'm just going to piss off more people. So fix the sources of friction, even if it's one at a time or even just one that you're able to and you will see some level of growth. Obviously, depending on the magnitude of that friction, it could be something in your checkout funnel. Okay. But you're already getting traffic, but you're just seeing, you know what? not getting them there. But if you analyze that and fix it, Without even trying to say, I need to spend more money or increase traffic. No, just fix what's there because you already have people coming to your site. Look for those sources of friction and fix those first because then all of a sudden you have more money, you have more cash flow to invest yeah. and bring in people at a time when your site is in a better position for that growth. What you're saying as a first step is really make sure
0: you can even handle the growth first. Correct. And, and, Very and important. And fix the I- critical issues first before going crazy with traffic and conversion optimization and all that just fix the problems that you have so yeah very important I, I remember seeing this and i've worked for a brand where i was trying to drive more traffic but the website was having loading issues yeah and obviously there's no point in doing anything at this point just fix this issue first before yeah. driving more traffic before bringing customers back that's the website it. has to work absolutely so that's great that's from a growth essential yeah now let's talk about traffic. The first step in growth is all about attracting attention. What's your favorite uh, advertising platform? Oof. Just one. We're talking paid advertising? Paid, we're talking paid. Guess I'm traditional, I like Google. Beautiful, which, which ad type? Shopping, search, display, YouTube. Don't tell me performance max. So I won't tell you
1: performance no, uh, max. But you uh, know
0: what, I like your strategies, but again, which one is, I'm just curious. You know what, for traffic, um, we want traffic. We want to generate traffic, but we want it to convert. We need sales. When I say traffic. Well,
1: yeah. So search, because you know what? Let's say, depending on who you're speaking to, you might be selling a service, you might be selling a product. If done right, we'll drive good, in some cases, middle funnel quality traffic that you can learn a lot from, depending on obviously landing page stuff. So anyways, not, we're going into too many yeah, details. Yeah. Search, okay, I really so like. Course. Perfect.
0: So let's, one strategy for tra- attracting traffic. We're yeah. talking about driving traffic from potentially new customers we're talking yeah. about people that never heard about your brand. What's one idea, one strategy that you believe should be implemented by everyone in e-commerce? We're talking and, and we're like, relating it to paid search in we're this talking case. paid it could be really anything at this point here we're talking yeah. paid organic, shared traffic, whether it's your social media, but at a very high level, what's one strategy that you can truly say if i don't have this in place i'm gonna have a hard time growing
1: yeah so i'll say because of where i'm at right now and we'll talk maybe technology in a sec for that because you need to be supported with a good tech stack or a good Especially selling thousands of products. New audience. Yeah. I, I honestly, still within Google, I have to say it's that mix between now, you don't want me to say performance max, but even if you're well, still on. I Google, say it,
0: by the way, I was just kidding. I'm
1: yeah. like, it's a good balance between utilizing search and shopping. But in a way that you're still, in some cases, and I know there's a lot of talk about like audiences and what we're, how you could still target audiences or not. But there's still a way to optimize based on, it's granular, but this is where I'm at now. And working with the team is working with a customer list, making sure like, how am I optimizing my campaigns for and isolating for new traffic? You're talking about now for traffic, Pmax, but advanced
0: Set up. We're yeah, not saying it's, it's much the more you're we're talking about you excluding your brand terms, yeah, exactly. you targeting specific customers that look like your customers. You're really optimizing it so that it works also hand in hand with Google shopping. That's what
1: yeah. you saying. okay. yeah. And I would say, you know what? The, it's a portion of that with also preparing, again, we were talking about the website before, but preparing, the, and again, very advanced. How does the website look? What landing pages are you sending them to as a new customer? Okay. Get them into that funnel. Okay. I had That's a cool. great experience. I'll just touch on this quickly. Yeah, with yeah, a yeah. brand that... that I hit. love it. Man. And you, these are things, again, we as marketers, when we're in it, we take it for granted. They were selling a product. I think it was like a just a baseball cap. I hadn't heard of this brand before. And I said, okay, it's interesting. I looked at the product price was okay. And then... I went to their about us and then I saw a section about sustainability and then I closed it (laughs) because I got busy with something else, but then they got me again. And then I said, you know what? And this is where it's starting to become more and more important that along with your strategies, you can't forget about these supporting pieces that we sometimes think are overlooked because we're focused on the product page. We're focused on site search, your message and your value proposition and what you're doing, especially for the younger demographic has to support all this stuff that we're talking about. So it's, and it, you know what? We obsess about
0: more traffic. Yeah. I always say just don't obsess about more traffic. Obsess about the 98% of people that come to your website and never purchase. Yeah, exactly. Only two to 3%, if you're lucky and you're yeah. well optimized, are going to convert. What yeah. about that 98%? Obsess over that yeah. idea because to your point, it's like not everyone's going to convert from that first visit. So, which no. brings me now. So that's the first attract for attracting attention you highly recommend people leverage PMax advanced setup yeah. with Google Ads with regards to now we move on to the second step which is all about converting shoppers what's one strategy that has helped you improve conversions on the website you mentioned already something about Hotjar. yeah is that considered your main strategy you need this in place to help you convert better
1: or is there something else it's a tool i think it's more it's there's more to it and
0: It's part of conversion
1: research, if I may
0: add, like Hotjar, the tactic itself of you installing a tool like Hotjar Visual Analytics, it's part of the conversion research side of things. You're trying to understand what's happening on the website, where is, where the bucket is, where is it leaking
1: so that you can plug those holes and fix it. But in your case, is that the strategy? It's part of it. When we talk about conversions, and I mentioned this and I alluded to it a little bit before is that. It's about your services and accessibility, and I'll explain what that means. Because if you're a retailer, and again, it's maybe because it's very relevant to me right now. We have you have stores and you have a website. So you, again, yeah. you have the customer has options, and it could be payment methods. Well, obviously, there's a lot of talk with the buy now, pay later, for example, depending on your uh, the price of your items. But I talk about services and accessibility because customers are could be coming from anywhere. Your when I say services, I mean shipping. In store pickup methods of shipment, time the time of year. You want to be able to g- meet the customer, which way they want and how they want it. So if I wasn't it services, if I was,
0: to, to services to services to
1: the shopping experience Correct. more than the actual, change the color of this button and that. Yeah, button. because at so, the okay. end of the day, let's say argument's sake, like, I've sold you on the item, but my shipping is twenty dollars. I like that. I like that. Because at the end of the day, you have me now. But that's where again, I always even like we're saying, forget about the traffic. Even though we're saying, okay, we got the traffic now, growth. But now, just say, what's my key to conversion? Making sure I have all the steps now to fulfill their needs because I got them at the product or the service. But now, the actual getting that service or product to the customer buy it from me versus yeah, the versus someone else. Yeah, I think is probably fifty percent of it. I like this because it's
0: sometimes it's okay. They come to your website. You've helped them figure out what to buy. The question now is why should you buy it from me and not somewhere else? Yeah. So companies that that
1: are exploring and you see it maybe in fashion it's like 365 day returns or Ikea. Ikea did that. Imagine that with furniture and it's Ikea furniture. Let's be honest. It's not your, you can't move. Everyone jokes about You can't move with Ikea furniture, but they did that. But it's you gave that customer that peace of mind that if something happens, I can return it or I can exchange it. But you didn't lose me as a customer. I like it. I like it. How so, then? The other piece of my
0: system is to get customers to spend more every yeah, time they come. Yeah. So, what's one strategy that you recommend to help increase AOV? Yeah, great. Uh, this one. It could be simple. It's
1: really. Yeah, I love this because I, I part of my. Call it my goals this year is obviously to raise the and it, I mean it should be like that anyways, but the increasing of the average basket, the utilization of recommendation blocks, rare um, recommendation blocks. So, so I'm gonna tell you this, and some people but are gonna tell be me like, that, go
0: back to it because obviously when we're thinking about increasing AOV, yeah, I don't want you to tell me yeah we need to recommendations we need to yeah. do this. No, yeah. what's one thing that you cannot live without, it. not yeah. in the terms of best practices, but one strategy that you need to have implemented that have yeah. actually a quick increase on AOV.
1: Yeah, so retailers should try this and I think they'll love this. It's the recommendation block on the, when you hit add to cart, prompt the overlay of recommended products based on what you just added to your I cart. totally agree with that one I love it I think again I'm not a big user Sephora does this really well yeah I, I, I can't a lot of it. brands do it well but yeah. smart
0: ones do it in a way where it takes into account what product you're adding to cart
1: yeah. what do you already have in your cart oh and yeah brand yeah. affinity to what yeah. you're buying color size all these things again advanced it's that if you do that and you do that times 50,000 people on your website buying yeah. from you, yeah, you're going to make it's going to make a difference. What is it? 70% of
0: people on average uh, abandon their checkouts? So at yeah. least you're trying to upsell, cross-sell yeah at the add to cart level. Kirk, yeah. Good. Yeah. How do you what's one retention strategy? that you recommend that will make customers buy more frequently. So sure. we get the traffic, we try to convert them, we make them spend more money. Now yeah. I want them to spend frequently. What's one strategy you love using to turn customers into profitable repeat buyers?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna lean on my the email, put my email hat on uh, for this. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said now because email, there's so much of it out there. Uh, But there's nothing like, I'll call it, it falls under that post-purchase style trigger email campaign. If you're learning about that customer and you're able to segment them, thank them. And depending on thresholds, I'm going into details, but thank them with something. Reward them with something. Even if it's just saying you bought this, I think you might also like this. And it could be related items or could be upselling a brand new category to them. If they're a first-time buyer, do you, I think it's something crazy like for a lot of brands, especially if you're not in that consumer, sorry, like in a, I think Sephora again, but makeup where you're returning maybe very frequently, how do you get them to buy that second time cuz that's the hardest of course, part. Of course. So I think it was from numbers I've seen it could be
0: different but a lot of brands experience when you analyze your database you're going to notice that 80% of your customers only buy once. That's it. And there is money. The profitability usually comes not at the first
1: purchase but the second, third, fourth, yep. fifth purchase and Absolutely. the loyalty increases. Okay. So, so rewarding email marketing them somehow, yeah. You have to you, and like I said sometimes you don't even need to offer them just just you saying thank you. It's enough to just make them feel special. And it's not because you know what, listen, I'm thinking about the companies that they don't have the dollars to give away. It's maybe not feasible to do free shipping, but just thanking them and saying, you know what, we think you might like this. And instead of it, just saying, here's another promotion, but using the right wording, the emotional side of it. I love
0: the thank you email and a thank you email is usually something I recommend as part of the first post purchase automated flow. Yeah. And sometimes, and I love using video for that email. Sure. Obviously, not in the in the email, but there's a landing page for it. But yeah. the one thing I love about the thank you email, it just makes people feel appreciated. Yeah. They feel also that the, there's no buyer remorse. You can reduce that because sure. as soon as they buy something and they're waiting for it, they see a thank you email. Say, you know what? I made the right decision. I'm buying yeah. from the right brand, and yeah. that thank you email goes a long way. It's not just oh, that yeah. I'm giving them a coupon. So post purchase triggered email that helps you turn them into repeat buyers. Yeah. Last question is scale. As you you talked about growth essentials obviously. Sure. As you grow, people don't realize sometimes that you will start experiencing challenges. Yeah. So, customer service, inventory, fulfillment, talent, finding talent, finding yeah. agencies. What's one thing you believe that you should, as a brand who's going to growth, should be paying attention to yeah, because that is going to have an impact on the most impact on the success of your business.
1: Yeah. I think it has to go back to fulfillment, especially okay. when you're going to grow. So getting the, you got the order, right? They convert it. They're waiting. You never want to be in a position where you are outside now of your fulfillment promise states. I love it. I love it. It's uh, so true. And because, again, we just talked about it, 80% of customers are buying from you maybe once, you really have to get it right. And again, like you, we, you you, said it best, don't drive more traffic to your site if you're not ready for that. It's funny you mentioned that because
0: in my program, when I'm coaching clients, I when I start focusing on retention, I don't start with email, emails and all that. I say there's a whole part in the program where I say it's all about delighting first-time shoppers.
1: Yeah,
0: If you do not delight first-time shoppers, no email, no SMS, no retargeting ad is going to convince me to come back and purchase again from you. So I love that you're touching on this because a lot of times we forget that this is like core business operations, whether it's at the store or website. Yeah, At the end of the day, the customer wants to go home or use the product. And yeah. if they don't have it in their hand and it does not deliver on set expectations in terms
1: of what they will get out of this product, yeah, forget it. It's not going to help you grow. It's that part that we never, the re- the brand never hears about it, but the word of mouth, it's so dangerous. Oh. And we that's the other thing. We didn't talk about it, but reviews of the product, but reviews of the brand. And we don't hear about half of those, but what is it? I think it, the percentage is still quite high of people that just by the influence of someone talking about your brand in For a sure. positive way outweighs even sometimes the price of the product so you know what they had a great experience i'm gonna give them a try i totally agree with
0: this i love it you know what those strategies you just laid out i love it very high level ideas that you can easily implement this has been great we're gonna finish off um with some rapid closing questions Um, all right what's your favorite sport oh you actually Play, which in this case you actually play hockey. Yeah, That's how not anymore. Back. Since
1: the, <laughs> not anymore due to the back injury, but still love watching it, love consuming it. If when I'm not in front of the screen and thinking digital marketing, I'm watching watching hockey or reading about okay. hockey. Favorite podcast? The CMO podcast. I love it. Yeah, it's one of my
0: it's one of my favorite as well. Yeah. If you could start a business tomorrow, what would it be?
1: What would you sell? Can I sell knowledge? <laughs> I, I think I do. yeah. I'm doing that with my academy. Yeah, uh, it would have to be that because we—you asked me about the younger version of myself or younger people in this space. I think there's so much potential, and we're moving into in rapidly in such a very digital centric space—not just in retail and e-commerce, just in general. Yes, it's just that schools are teaching still in a very traditional way. Like, how do we just get the next generation, or even the current generations, yeah. to be more prepared? Got. Okay yeah what occupation
0: other than your own would you like to try (laughs) forget the money forget the salary forget everything else like what's one job that you would love to try occupation
1: for some reason architecture comes to mind i always loved the idea of building so i guess yeah interesting i never knew about Are you reading any books right now? Yeah. And it's funny because it's right next to me and it really, it's not just, be, it's not on purpose, but it's called The Experience Economy. Wow. Well, raise it higher, it. raise it higher a little bit. Is there a bottom part? Okay. Yeah. So please. By Perfect. Joseph Pine. It, it's just one of those books, like I was saying, I needed a, that refresher. Like they talk about, for example, like Best Buy and The Geek Squad. Okay. The Geek Squad is just that added value that. Best Buy and every other retailer sells the same same stuff. Like the yeah. Geek Squad is what makes them different, for example. So well, now expertise, expertise, and very important. You trust nice. the knowledge. So, anyways, I'm not making a commission off of it, just a good book. <laughs> <laughs> what series, TV series are you currently watching? I just finished. Oh my gosh, the Wii, it's on Apple TV called We Crashed. And whole rise and fall of We Work. Oh. Ah. Okay. Anyways, watch it. I won't give away anything about it. It's like, a, I think like an eight or 10 part series, maybe a little bit longer. Very, It's very interesting. Before last question, who should I have as a guest on the
0: podcast? We know you and me, what do you think? Is Mark Cuban available? <laughs> Hopefully one day I'll reach a point where I could invite... So the whole idea for me here is to have again guests that are either founders yeah. themselves. There are executive leaders in charge of e-commerce growth or anyone who touches e-commerce. Sure, eighty percent of their t-
1: day is spent on e-commerce initiatives. Yeah, I think it's nice. Like you, you need that good perspective. It's of different that those different levels of leadership yeah. and also of, whether you said founders or marketers like myself, like. A good mix there because you it's you're communicating with these types of people every day or just getting those different outlooks is very important because everyone someone you might be thinking about conversion on the website where the other one's like can i open four more stores next year like yes yeah. Myself,
0: I'm trying to bring more in the executive leadership level yeah. versus the email marketer. Yeah,
1: level. yeah, for sure.
0: Because again, when you're listening to this podcast, you're listening to this either while working out, you're watching TV, you're walking, driving. Yeah. You don't have time to write these strategies and tactics. No. I don't want to talk about tactics, but more a very high level 30 foot no. view, 30,000 foot view of the strategies, bird's eye view of these things. Yeah. You know? definitely. So they can go back to the office. But you didn't tell me who should I have as a guest from even from our network our friends. Uh, ooh, friends for now. I think the first person that comes to mind is Johnny. He's on the list. Johnny, yeah, he's on the list.
1: We'll get him then. All right. So, where can listeners find you online? Good question. You know what? I'm uh, I'm always available for consulting on clarity and I'll drop a link or I could send you the link yeah, in the post. In the show notes. Yeah, if not, I am more on Instagram. More shipper the oh. I am, and then, so two oh, M's I more there, worshiper. than two S's, so no spaces, I am Worshipper. If not, look me up, Worshipper on LinkedIn. Beautiful, um, I'm there, so this has been a lot oh, of fun, man.
0: This was really fun, honestly. Um, you blew it out of the park. It's exactly what I wanted to
1: have as a guest, perfect guest episode. And know what the best part is about being the first? Can't what compare me to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> Morris, always
0: a pleasure talking to you. And actually, like we, we talked this time. We always joke about texting each other. And so like, oh, yeah, and yeah, us talking to you. And we just text each other messages yeah. here and there. But this was great. Hour, and I hope the audience really enjoyed the, the session with Morris Shipper, director of digital marketing at linenchest.com Thanks again, Morris. And Thank uh, you guys. we'll be in touch. Thanks, care. Zala. Bye, guys. Bye. That's it for this episode of Million Dollar E-Commerce Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you can share it with friends and colleagues. Even better, I'll be happier knowing you subscribed. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. The Million Dollar Dollar E-Commerce Podcast is brought to you by eCommerceTrainingAcademy.com.